Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to The Horror Hangar, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst the horror movies have to offer and have a little talk about them. I am not Ben Errington, he is poorly. My name is Andy Conjubit-Turner and I'm your host today, joined by a very special guest. She is a PhD student who spends her time studying cyclones all day and is a horror fan, gorging herself on all things horror and spooky while doing some knitting. Um, not necessarily something she recommends, as jump scares can often lead not only to drop stitches, but also to uh, needle stick injuries. It is Holly Moore. Hello, Holly. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I am great. Thank you. IT issues aside that we've spoken about off pod, <laughs> we are doing great. And how about you? Yeah, very good. Yeah, had a few IT issues myself, so it's all good. <laughs> Hopefully all of those are terrible memories of our past, not reoccurring issues of our future, real life horrors that we face every day. Um, exactly. For those of you who listen every week, you may have heard us mention Holly a couple of weeks ago. We were lucky enough to meet her in person out in the wild um, at Thought Bubble Comic Convention. Um, I mean, we can touch on that first. Do you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was really good this year. Um, I've only been this year and last year um, and it was actually so nice obviously with like the code restrictions reduced being actually able to see people and have like proper conversations with people um, and yeah it was really great to meet you guys in person like long time fan <laughs> oh geez oh thank you I, I think sometimes the three of us just think oh do we record this and just you know it's just a good excuse to catch up with your friends and have a chat so it's really nice when you meet someone that listens let alone someone that likes it so um thank (laughs) you and yeah very nice to have you have you join us this week hopefully well this will be the first of a couple of appearances at very least we've got to get you on when the whole gang's all together at some point as well but hopefully I will suffice for today um and we can (laughs) talk about a, a, a lovely horror movie but um first as is tradition I'm picking up the admin in Ben Ben's absence so let me begin with a little bit of of horror news um I guess I'll begin the news with a question Holly um are you a Shudder subscriber yourself I'm not at the moment um 
being a poor student, I can't really afford another subscription, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, tis the season. If any of, I mean, surely if you're a true friend or family member of Holly, you'd be listening along to this podcast and to see her performance and appearance on on new media. Um, I reckon if you're looking to get her a present of any kind, an annual Strider subscription would be an ideal present for anyone. Um, anyone listening along for Holly or anyone else, because um, should her ultimate ultimate parent company AMC have announced a number of layoffs um, and it has affected some Shudder staff this this week in news um, based on the company's overestimation of what they would do um, and how they would perform against streaming services. Now, I think, as you already mentioned, there are a lot of streaming services out there. The average person cannot possibly absorb them all. But of mm. all the ones that to be at risk, I mean, of course, we're going to say this on a horror podcast, but it feels like this is one that we really want to try and protect because there are an awful lot of generalist streaming services, whereas the kind of content we've seen coming out of Shudder has been really great represent representation of the genre. We've had some really great um original content coming out of it both documentaries and movies um and it's built a lot of community around it as well which is unusual for a, a streaming platform which are you know typically just the faceless platforms that you that you enjoy content on so now is probably a good time to anyone listen if you don't already have a, a shutter account one be vocally supportive of how much you are interested in it online and Pick up a subscription for everyone, honestly. Um, probably the most value for money I get out of any of my subscriptions today. Um, yeah, there we go. I yeah, mean, it's definitely going on my Christmas list now. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully, we've managed to put it on there for you. I will reiterate again if you know Holly and you're and are listening to this, what are you playing at? Come on, what a great surprise. <laughs> um, other pieces of news I have, um, we've seen a couple of big announcements in the last week as well. Um, Movies from a couple of big horror names right now. So Brennan Cronenberg, we had a trailer for his new movie, Infinity Pool, that came out uh, just a couple of days ago at time of recording. Have you managed to catch this trailer yet, Ali? I haven't yet, no. I, I literally just managed to sit and watch it properly. Uh, I managed to watch it in passing. I managed to watch it properly just on my, while my computer was resetting a moment ago. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks... It looks fantastic um again your mileage may vary with the uh, with trailers but if you'd all if you'd already seen possessor the kind of body horror and strange sci-fi twists that we come to expect from a brandon cronenberg movie like his father before him um yeah it it looks like a, an interesting an interesting piece where we're seeing our main character looks like they're experimenting with human cloning and then maybe it sort of um goes from a necessity to kind of a depraved um, body horror kind of sci-fi world that they that they that they fall into from that um vastly uh rising icon of horror Mia Goth is in there as well so um I think we're oh, wow. on to a winner already we've also just had a very cryptic reveal of one of A24's next horror movies it's Ari Aster of Hereditary and Midsummer I would say probably some of the more intense mainstream horror movies that you that are available today um he has a new movie coming out called Bo is afraid which is going to star 
old mate Joaquin Phoenix, and we have very little detail so far other than a kind of uncanny CGI boy on a poster, which has just been released in the last few hours at time of recording. Um, yeah, are mm, you very uh, interesting? <laughs> what What's your mileage with um with the likes of Midsummer and Hereditary Holly? Are you a fan, or is that not the type of subgenre you enjoy? Um, do you know what? I actually haven't seen Midsummer or Hereditary yet, which is crazy. Um, that's definitely something that's on my list. I've been watching a lot of, uh, I guess, like older or like classic horror films um, recently. I mean, this is the perfect segue to jump into it. And don't be ashamed. Like, if you've not watched a particular <laughs> horror movie, I have not seen Hereditary yet. I've listened to the guys talk about it before I used to join them every week. I've got it on my shelf back there, but um, content is infinite. Time is not. So you will get to all yeah. of these things eventually. You'll, you know. Exactly. I have a huge list of films to catch up with. There's a huge list. And that's definitely on the list. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll segue on to what we've been watching on this front. And then I did ask you before we lost our first recording here, but let's, you know, normally we talk about the movies we've been watching over the last week or so, but... It's your first appearance, so by all means, feel free to cover your entire life. Tell us a little bit about. Um, <laughs> tell a little bit, a little bit about how you started your interest in horror movies. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't actually have a great relationship with horror to start off with because I was traumatized as a, as a child as a, at a sleepover. Um, I was watching The Ring, and I think for about a few years after that, just couldn't watch anything horror. So scared um but yeah recently been getting really into it and sort of like undertook exposure therapy of just watching as many horror films as possible and the scarier the better um and now I really love the genre um so yeah films that I absolutely love it's like The Exorcist in particular um even though obviously it's quite like an old film and like the graphics are a bit like um I just love the fact that you watch it and then you feel quite creeped out or like disturbed afterwards and it has that like eerie feeling throughout the entire movie yeah. um one that stays with you as well right are you excited for the new yeah. upcoming series from the exorcist that they're working on right now yeah i just saw an advert for it and um i haven't been able to find a trailer or there might be like some concept trailers out there um but yeah it looks really cool i'm really excited for that can't wait for it to come out <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. We've got that, we've got Hellraiser, we've just had season two of Chucky Drop as well. We're in, you know, the horror TV paradise as well at the minute. Yeah. Um, I've been watching uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh, how is it? I'm still I'm still to get to it. How have you been enjoying enjoying it? Yeah, I've only watched a few episodes. Um, it is really good. There are some I don't particularly like body horror that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I appreciate it for what it is. Like obviously it's meant to gross you out and be a bit disturbing um but yeah there's a couple of episodes uh, there's one episode in particular which has quite a lot of body horror in it and it was a bit gruesome a little bit much um yeah a little bit much <laughs> um but yeah really good so far um i can't wait to finish the rest of the series um yeah there was the last episode i watched there was one about this like magic lotion mm-hmm. and it was a lot of asmr kind of lotion squelching noises throughout the entire episode so that was a bit interesting it was that I found that a little bit 
gross as well. <laughs> Although, but, you know, flip side, yeah. your recommendation and the description of all that squelchy ASMR lovely gooiness is going to have any number of people dropping this podcast immediately and rushing to yeah. Netflix queue. <laughs> it definitely. Yeah, I think some people would absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> I am not one of those people, but... <laughs> you, yeah, just... Yeah, less damp noises in your uh, in your horror. Yeah, a little bit less. Oh. Um, but yeah, the series has been really good so far. And you you mentioned in passing there you've been you've been going back and living through some classics recently. What's been what you've been che- checking off the to watch list then? Um, so I realised I'd never watched any of the Scream movies. Um, so I did a deep dive and watched all of them. Oh, nice. And yeah, I actually really liked them. I do quite like a slasher movie, um, but yeah, I have to admit, I really liked the the recent film that's come out this year, oh, which the, I was quite surprised the, at. The newest one, well... The newest one. Yeah, a little bit of news, I saw it, you know, we skipped over it because we were segueing into what we've been watching, but apparently the, one of the stars of Scream 6 has come out and said that it is 100 times gorier than the previous one. I'm not sure if she's actively measured that or if she's exaggerating i can't be sure but mm-hmm. sounds like they're going for it with this um with this sequel how do you feel about a sequel proceeding you know at least unless it's a trick because i'm not ruling that out you're not going to have tricked me filmmakers if nev campbell does turn out to be in this after all but how do you feel about nev campbell not not appearing in the in the next one okay with it you think move on with the new characters or sad to see her not around I think I would be a bit sad to see her not not in there, or at least not even make an appearance in the film. You know, she's a bit, she's the center mm-hmm. of the story. So I think it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit sad that she might not be in it. I really hope she is at some point. Yeah, like I say, I'm not going to be, Holly, you, you mark my words. If she turns out to be in it, it's <laughs> a trick all along. I wasn't tricked, okay? <laughs> so was would you say that Five is, you know, the most recent one, is that your favourite of the series you watched or? Um, no, I think the first one, the hard original beat, Scream. It? It's hard to be. Yeah, it's my favourite. Um, yeah, the newest one comes at second for me. Yeah, okay, that's good. This guy, I need to read. Like, I've seen Screams one and two infinite, mm. infinite times, and I've got the newest one in memory because it was this year. My memories on three and four are a little, a little patchy because I've not seen four for a long time, and I think I've only seen three once ever. Yeah, I think I didn't particularly like the third one. Um, yeah, don't really remember a lot about it, even though I watched it very recently i think the third one's uh, the one where like isn't it's in hollywood and they're making the film and they really leaned into everyone being a suspect so even the characters that you know and love act like complete psychopaths for the entire movie so you can yeah. wonderful and then it's a mystery brother all along spoilers for exactly. a very old film um <laughs> but it's very nice to have the company of a of another slasher fan uh, with me as well and they're the guys that necessarily hate slasher movies but I feel of the three of us, I'm probably the the most that loves, in particular, an 80s and 90s slasher fest. So I'm a big, big Jason and your and your Freddy fans and so on as well. Uh, Michael Myers, maybe he's burnt me out, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, I need to catch up with um, the Halloween franchise. I didn't realize how many there were. <laughs> oh, you could 
you could get to 18 and then stop for my money in you know, 2018 and then stop for my money with that with that latest remake trilogy just the first one and pretend that was the the finale the series deserved but you know mm. do, you, do your own research and everything but yeah <laughs> take that into consideration though take, take, take that in um how about anything else you've been watching are you into any seasonal horrors right now anything else that's been on your to watch list recently that you'd like to share i've watched um, I just finished the Wednesday Adams Netflix series. Oh, how is it? I'm yet to start that as well. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I was a bit worried that they might turn it into kind of like Riverdale-ish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was a little bit scared that they were going to do that, but they didn't. So that's great. And I think Jenna Ortega as Wednesday is brilliant. She plays her so well and uh, just, yeah, really good character portrayal storyline i i do really like and yeah i'm excited to see what happens in season two. Oh yeah i'm i'm looking forward to seeing that and i think we've now mentioned both of our upcoming horror royalty between mia goth and jenna ortega like yeah maybe throw samara weaving in weaving in there they are like the top tier of some fantastic horror talent we're going to see for years to come for my money at very definitely yeah, oh, just I'm really, all horror queens. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching Wednesday again. Got some lovely time off over Christmas. Maybe instead of do, watching festive movies, sit and catch up on all this great horror content. Yeah, do it. You know, seen all the festive movies so many times before. That's it. I mean, speaking of festive, though, are you a fan of a festive horror movie? I do quite like Krampus. Krampus is a great one. Krampus yeah. is great. I am a big fan of Jack Frost. Not Michael Keaton, of course, you know, he's a bad, well, I say bad dad. I think he's a bad dad in a movie's bad dad way. So not mm. a uh, not a Rob Zombie, everyone's a bad abusive dad sense, but in a bad dad, like, oh, you know, I probably go to work a little bit too much and don't see my son. Not that film where he dies and becomes a snowman to rekindle his relationship with his son, but the other one, Jack Frost, the mutant killer snowman one of my all-time christmas horror favorites um, oh wow but i've been watching another couple um another couple of christmas horror movies that i'll share uh today i watched shudder exclusive christmas bloody christmas which is right up my alley a really schlocky um blood-soaked over-the-top uh ridiculous christmas horror movie all about a robot Santa that is in a toy shop, which accidentally reverts to its originally original military programming and goes on a rampage on Christmas Eve, taking out some, some people who are just out having a lovely, lovely evening. Um, yeah, it is a lot of fun. I was really surprised. Let me just pull up some of the cast here. Um, I was really interested looking at who was in it. Chris, uh, sorry, hard to talk and type at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> looking at the cast list that was um, looking at the cast as it as it went through there, I was really interested in seeing that actually a lot of the people who've in it haven't either been in very much or the the lead the lead heroine of the entire movie has mostly just actually been in really like twee Christmas like you know someone doesn't really believe in Christmas and then they go to a small town and get into a new relationship she's primarily been in movies like that and now is 
the star of this really over-the-top bloody horror movie um, about a robot killer Santa, which is which is fantastic. wow. And then the, that is brilliant. Then the other one I watched earlier today was uh, it's a French horror movie called um, Deadly Games, and it is a precursor to Home Alone, if you like. It's an older film. And it's about a boy who is, he lives in a big mansion with his, with his old granddad and his mom who goes to work, you know, on Christmas Eve. And then, never guess what happens, a bad Santa comes round. He's a Rongan who is actually a horrible murder man and is coming round breaking into people's houses on Christmas Eve. But the boy loves, um, loves doing traps. He dresses up as Rambo all the time and he set his house up with loads of like death traps to try and catch this guy. It is a little bit of that, little bit rude. Spoilers for an old film called Deadly Games. That there is a trigger warning. A dog was uh, a dog was horribly killed in it, which you know made me a little bit sad. Very rude of the movie, but other than that, it's really good. It's um, it's nice to see the Home Alone DNA in there. I'm not sure how the boy gets access to as much explosive as he does have in this movie, but you know, that <laughs> very very, very re- relatable and. Um, either I'm getting better at French, which I really doubt, or the level isn't too high, so you can follow reasonably well with, you know, without having to really keep your eyes on the subtitles all the time. Um, yeah, if you have a basic command of French, even more basic than than my terrible use of it, you can probably follow it with without having to rely on the subtitles too much. Yeah, good holiday recommendations. Get them. Get them down, you everyone. Tis the season. <laughs> Definitely be watching those over this Christmas break. Yeah, yeah. Get some, get some lovely Christmas horror down here. But other than that, we have both been watching the film of the week, which is. Let me bring up Ben's. Uh, poorly Ben from his sick bed has sent me the all important write-ups of these things, so I can follow the synopsis. So Ben isn't off the hook entirely, everybody. He has still given me all of the all of the important content of uh, the write up and the choice reviews. He's really, you know, even in his moment of illness, done a lot of done a lot of work for us. So, let me read to you about a little bit about this week's movie, which is of course Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot, also known as Salem's Lot: colon, The Movie. Salem's Lot, colon, the miniseries, and Bloodthirst is a 1979 American miniseries television adaptation of the 1975 horror novel of the same name by Stephen King, directed by Toby Hooper and starring David Soul and James Mason. Uh, the synopsis here, a novelist and a young horror fan attempt to save a small New England town which has been invaded by vampires. Um, IMDb score of 6.7. It's a 3.3 on Letterboxd over on Rotten Tomatoes. It has 98% critic score and a 64% audience score. A couple of choice reviews for you. Um, so Jason, the feature creature, um, says three and a half stars. Toby Hooper presents a cartoony adaptation of one of my favourite King stories. Through all the hokey performances, hilarious attempts at New England accents and mediocre telepathy, Hooper manages to create some truly creepy atmosphere with some decent effects work. A three-star review from Sarah Jane. Mr. Barlow is one creepy mofo. He's up there with Nosferatu as one of the scariest vampires ever. And three and a half stars from Bombsfall. Some dusty old dude rolling into this backwater town 
to open an antique shop is a big red flag that something uncanny is going on. There we go. That's what the consensus is. Um, Holly, what's your history with this one? Uh, this is the first time I've ever watched it, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, it's... I thought it was pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> um, especially, yeah, seeing as it was filmed in 1979. Um, but yeah, it's the first time watching it. Um, well, this is good. We're providing a service. It was good. You can check it off that check it off that horror to watch list here and you're right an absolute classic um are you a stephen king fan uh, adaptations or books um i've seen quite a few of the adaptations or like especially recent uh films like it like the recent ones um the original it again terrified me when i was very young uh, i've seen carrie as well really liked carrie but yeah salem's lot was always on my list um, it's definitely a book that I want to read now as well. Yeah, I think watching it this time, it's been a long time since I've seen Salem's Lot. I watched this and the 2000s uh, Rob Lowe adaptation as well. It feels very TV movie, that one does. But there are there are some good elements to it. And Salem's Lot, another one that we're expecting a revival of in in modern times. So we'll see how that we'll see how that one goes shortly. But um yeah, it was nice to re it was nice to revisit. I think I've appreciated it more watching it this time than perhaps I had previously. I think I'd maybe seen it as a maybe one that I'd caught on TV as a like a teenager at some point and thought, like vampire's a bit blue, isn't he? And you know, <laughs> there are some hokey moments in it. But genuinely there's some really good there's some really good atmosphere to it as well. Um really follows the Stephen King adaptation pathway of so many of his movies which are miniseries technically I don't know if you're James Cameron it's not a bit long for a movie you'll whack one of those on on the cinema and just and just say it's the one but a couple of you know usually about a three hour so two 90 minute sessions certainly back in the day um it was a big thing certainly when I was growing up that they would put them on tv over two nights so oh, yeah. it'd be like a Friday Saturday on like a BBC two. And I, I still remember like you being terrified of the it miniseries when they put it on, they used to, they promoted it with that little scene from the movie where Tim Curry jumps up at the jumps up on that lamppost and he leans in and he's talking to the kids through the screen saying, I'll kill you. And they're like, <laughs> I was watching that as a kid going, Oh no, how am I telling this buddy after me? Um, yeah, so yeah, we, we'd have those over over two nights. Um, and this was another example of that. Like it was a period of time where they were doing those things all the time. I guess they've attempted it again with it being split into two parts, but nowadays we tend to see his films uh, and his adaptations be just just the one thing. So Yeah. Yeah. But here we go. Old school, old school miniseries efforts. Um yeah, anything that really struck you immediately? What was the what was your big takeaways going from it? How do you feel about the how do you feel about the vampire? What about that comment that he's one of the creepiest aside from Nostra? <laughs> where where are, you, where are you ranking old Mr. Barlow in your in your spooky vampire stakes? I mean, visually he is terrifying to look at. You know, you wouldn't want him breaking into your your house at night vampire certainly wouldn't want him bashing through your kitchen window knocking your heads together knocking your heads, you die. yeah 
It's hard <laughs> enough to kill you. Blooming hell. <laughs> <laughs> he reminded me as well. Like I know it's like uh, Los Barati style um, of what we do in the shadows. Yes. Yeah, very yeah, like much. They, like they, the, the count that like comes and hangs out with them as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very much like that. Um, I think initially when I started watching it, it reminded me a lot of, uh, you know, like the old Scooby-Doo episodes. Yes. Where it's like the house lit up in the like well just the house and then like all darkness around it and um the really like dramatic music as well and yeah I thought I agree with the review saying it was like a little bit a little bit cartoonish I think in places and yeah yeah immediate thoughts was (laughs) Scooby-Doo yeah you feel like now you've pointed that out you feel like in that one of the later scenes where they're running around the house there should have been a musical like yeah. a, like a musical number where there was like a long corridor full of doors and they would run between them yeah. and go through different ones perhaps at one point Mr Barlow would run in and a couple of the guys would have been dressed as some kind of profession like hairdressers or sandwich <laughs> makers or something like that and they'd they'd trick him and say oh no <laughs> yeah and then <laughs> send him on his way yeah it was um it was a wild movie but yeah there was there was a lot to enjoy about it that I hadn't hadn't seen before and there was so much of it that I I didn't remember I tell you what we'll we'll dive in and and take a look at the plot because one of the first things I didn't remember was that this movie starts with it pretty much starts with its end right they're in Mexico and they're saying oh what looks like they're making homebrew glow sticks they're going oh geez the the water's glowing they're founders again and then the next thing you know we flash back to two years earlier and here we are in Salem's Lot, formerly Jerusalem's Lot. Um, but you know, people are lazy. They'll shorten the name of things. Um yeah, we're just we're just in we're just in Maine. Um and here we go, a few steps earlier, and a writer, a writer comes to town who we quickly learn as a former resident of the town, and we we kind of see the the comings and goings of everyone in the town, including a typical creepy antique dealer who dresses a little bit like an Holly I'm showing my age here and uh, it's contemporary with the program so you'll be far too young to have done it unless you're a big UK TV gold person but um, someone from Minder it looks a lot like especially for the time like Arthur Daly and what's his chops um, Dennis Waterman out there doing just shenanigans out in the town I mean you mentioned (laughs) in one of these reviews here that it was um, the creepy antique dealer moving to town would have been a red flag. Oh, yeah. Even more creepy when he dresses like someone who works for a vampire. Oh, yeah. Just very dark colours, you know. Yeah. Always, I thought it was quite funny. Every time he leaves a building, he does like a quick surveying he does of a, everything. He does a quick yeah. shady look around. It feels like he always like should be like looking around the corner of the house all the time, literally, to see what anyone's what anyone's getting up to. And there's a bit in this early in the early scene where our writer is kind of looking up at this house because we later really has some old trauma with it. Um, and the guy they, they kind of look. He walks up and creeps up on him and like really stares him down for a minute and then like goes, "Good evening," <laughs> and, and then like. <laughs> not why are you staring at my house yeah it's it's not and and i feel like this movie like this movie again not criticizing a three-hour runtime it was the it was the era but 
it feels like I probably our first 30 minutes or so is really dedicated to just meeting all the people in the town right so uh, yes. you know our, our lead character our writer he heads over and looks for lodgings he gets recommended to go to the the nearby lodging house and then before you know it he's found himself in the middle of an open field chatting up a woman he's just he's just run into yeah just bags himself a date right yeah. off the bat straight away and i i feel like he pulls this off by a little bit of um you know she must feel a little bit embarrassed because like i mean you're treating a book quite poorly you've got it you've got it spine splayed across across the floor and then you think oh who's gonna care oh shit his face is on the back of the book one of your books like he's probably the only person that could bust her and uh and tell her off for that we do with that book what do you care oh it's one of yours okay fine I'll, um... <laughs> it's very smooth from him though you know yeah. Just coming over and be like, I'm the writer of this book that you're reading. Let's go on a date. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a, a different era when you could just approach a stranger in the middle of a secluded wooded area and um, ask them oh, yeah. and that not be problematic. Yeah, that would be a huge red flag now. Yeah. Someone comes up to you when you're in a field just chilling. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then again, the idea, I guess, of I'll just hang out in this. I'll just hang out in this little glen on my own. On my on my own on my own over here. I wonder if anyone will come and chat to me while I'm out here. But yeah, he does that, and then immediately nets himself uh nets himself a date with uh with Susan. Um, and everything seems to be going everything seems to be going well. It's like a small town with you know some small town problems, and we reveal all of these things. But you know, the local estate agent, we immediately suspect he's having an affair because he's like. No, it's his. It's his receptionist calls him like darling and that all the time, right? Already, she's like, yeah, like, honey, you'll give it away. You'll give it away, and she goes, I won't, I won't, I won't, I shan't give it away. He says, well, one of these days you'll forget that you can't say it in front of other people, and she goes, that'll be the day. That's not going to happen immediately. Yeah, don't worry, him. honey. <laughs> definitely says it in front of some other guy, and then there's local town drunk, old poor old weasel. I mean, feel nominative determinism. If this guy's like got a name like boozy weasel face and things like that you are going to be the vagranty guy that hangs out outside having a having a little tipple oh um, yeah definitely but yeah we, we we see all of these all these characters and there's also the you know we've got the the kid characters again a film i think of its era that doesn't um, i guess it's really characteristic of stephen king books as well involving kids directly in the horror as well here as well right so we have some kids that like hanging about we've got um one boy who a precocious youth isn't he he's out there he's practicing for the he's practicing for the school play um and then we get to learn his skills very quickly i mean we we see a few instances of him learning his skills as well one we know he's really interested in monsters and horror which gives him a good leg up if vampires happen to be real at any point in this movie um we also learn that he can escape from a pair of handcuffs and he even says to his dad at one point, yeah, yeah, that ties up, ties up, honestly, as difficult as you like. <laughs> you tie me up in as many ropes as you want. I'll be able to escape. Lickety split. Um, I mean, his dad's not very supportive, though. He's just like, oh, when are you going to grow up? Yeah. When... He's like, oh. <laughs> Why are you interested in this? <laughs> Why are you interested in escaping from things? Only, only as an adult, the chances of you having to escape from something are slim to none 
Little did he know. Little did he know. And actually, he doesn't even support that at all. So he, he, it's like his dad does, like token seventies, eighties dad activity of right. I'm going to be interested in what my son's hobbies are for thirty seconds. Like, okay, you can escape from some handcuffs, and then he's like, "Go on, tie us up." And he's like, "No, no, sorry, I've done one thing with you. I've got to get back to doing my quarterly taxes now, which is what his mom tells him off for earlier on when he's doing his rehearsals for his play. She's like, "What are you doing?" So I'm just rehearsing for my play, mom. Well, your dad's trying to do his quarterly taxes, so if you could. Just a bit of shush. Um, don't disturb him. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't actually have any vampires doing much for for a little while, right? We we we. It's just the the ins and outs of 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 this town that we have that we have going on here. And you know, there's a couple of these things: the the festering evil under the town. At the moment, it's limited to some fairly standard, you know, some fairly standard activities. Because you know, Susan's got an ex-boyfriend who's a plumber, and he's like, he's definitely a red flag. Yeah, he's following, he's throw, he's following around like having a bit of a glare when this writer comes to town. Has managed to managed to chat up his old girlfriend in a uh, in a field. He's he's not have he's not having it at all. Obviously, not really much uh, every not much plumbing work to be doing in this town because there's plenty of time for him to you know, moonlight about look just basically spying on your ex all day and then just take a short job to to move a box, move a sideboard into a basement in the middle of the night <laughs> later on. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I thought um yeah, him just lingering outside of her workplace like straight away. No. <laughs> yeah. Red flag. Red lingering, flag. Yeah, ling- and then being ready to thump the new love interest a bit later on, just out of yeah. out of nowhere. Um I'll touch a little bit on the the remake here. We're not going to talk about it in details, but tell you what, what a casting in this um, in this remake. We have uh, Baddie from Neighbours plays the plumber, the plumber boyfriend, and they have a. I'm not sure now. I I really need to read the book. This is where someone like Luke could come in handy on this episode because if there's a book to have read, he's almost certainly read it. He's a he's a, he's a real bookworm. But like um, the the fight with the the ex-boyfriend is really extended in the the remade version a little bit for one the character is problematic in different ways because they've updated it a little bit he he installed susan's computer so he's got her email passwords no, no oh no 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 no, and, no, she, no. And, and she knows that she fancies this writer because in that one she's been sending emails i don't know who to an unnamed third party saying core this writer that used to live in this town ever turns back up here i'm going to go on a date with him Faster than you could say, you know, faster than you could say Stephen King self insert character. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, she then he knows about it from that way, but he is more sympathetic, not sympathetic that he's reading his girlfriend's emails, but he mm. kind of doesn't go out on the attack until he's become a until he's become a vampire. He's just not he's not just automatically a bad bloke that then gets got in prison by the vampire. He has been got by the vampire already, and he kind of is on the turn and he attacks uh, Rob Lowe's character in daylight covered in like rubber gloves and uh, a coat because he's being burned by the sun at the same time. So he runs oh, no. in, in like a, in like a Heisenberg outfit and thumps him. And then they both get thrown in prison. And then he tries to crawl through the vent to get him in the prison cell at, at night. Oh, wow. 
so he's like going through the vent trying to get him and then he can't get him so he bites his own wrists and drinks his own blood um so you know they i need Ooh. to go back and see how i'm not sure if they've tried to if they've adapted things that are in the book that we didn't see in this first movie and there was more to it or the makers of a 2000s and you know now i think about it that's probably more likely the makers of a 2000s version of a of a book adaptation of thought how can we spice this up a little bit yeah <laughs> well maybe because it was on tv in the 70s as well they didn't want to like you know yeah. make it yeah. super super violent <laughs> yeah and then you know wanted to limit their violence to getting your heads knocked together classic mom <laughs> punishment of when you're fighting with your brother just Not... instant death through yeah. headbutt <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean if you I, I think of all of the horror movies we've watched on this show if i could perfect one move can you imagine having that power i mean amazing in any kind of fight situation <laughs> you could blow in as a bit of cloth through the window imagine that there's like a barroom brawl going on like for some reason despite being almost 40 i find myself in a nightclub and you know there's the shit kicking off and you think, how are we going to get out of here and just appear as a cloak, blow into the area where the fight's happening. Before you know it, you pop <laughs> out of nowhere, bang! So hard that they've died. <laughs> <laughs> All the problems sorted. Yeah, Vanish yeah. again. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no one had messed with you ever again. Oh no, definitely not. Yeah, I and mean, while we're talking characters and differences as well, um, Barlow himself, you know, obviously we love and we know and love him as his classic kind of blue. Ears from it looks a little bit like um, what Dr. Loomis from Halloween might dress up as. He's got a very Dr. Loomisy face. He's got a very Donald Pleasancy air to him, mm. um, except if he's blue with with golden eyes and big horrible vampire teeth. Other than that, exactly like him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we have in this in the in the remade version, we have Rutger Hauer just with sort of wispy hair. And he's not, I think he's all, he's quite, um, even though he has vampire powers, he is a mute monster type creature in the mm. this original version. And again, in this remade one, he, he'll have a chat with you. He'll, like, his power tends to be, he has the same vampire powers, but he does a lot of negging. There's, um, there's Rutger Hauer Barlow. He'll like say, oh, your core beliefs, tell you what, you're going to have a real go at you about those. He'll like, you meet a priest and goes, oh, tell you what, you like a, you like a bit of a drink, don't you? When was that? When did that yep. start? Did you uh, have a little nip at lunchtime one day, did you? Oh, is it because something you did in the Catholic Church that you feel guilty about? And then later on, when he's fighting the heroes, he's like, oh, you've got no... Got no oh, you, you're a writer, are you? write that because of the darkness in your heart. I'm not a vampire, actually. I think you'll find that you're a vampire. You point a finger at me, <laughs> those three pointing back at yourself. That's what he does anyway. Just um, gaslighting all yeah, of them. Yeah. He's, 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 he's a real problematic guy, is the Rutger Hauer vampire. Whereas this guy, in many ways, original recipe Barlow, you've got to you've got to respect his purity, really. He's just a blue man who'll knock your head together. It doesn't say anything, just yet no, he's, violent. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a man of action, if anything. Um I thought he was like very animalistic. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Just straight away, like when he grabs Mark and it sounded, it kind of seemed like uh, Straker was like in control of him yeah. a little bit in that confrontation. It was really weird. 
yeah it is like it's mm. it is written like say he's he's a he's this is a very different creature to lots of other vampires that we see. Because, I mean, if you go back to even classic Count Dracula and so on, it's um, there's a romance to it and there's a, you know, there's a conversational piece. You can have a, I mean, whether that makes Dracula's more or less scary as monsters, you can usually have a conversation with them. Um, and later on, you can make a bargain with them like the priest does when um, later on, I'd have absolutely not kept my promise to him. As soon as he'd let that boy go, I'd have been like, ha! Had my thing. Like, nothing, <laughs> in the, you. <laughs> nothing, nothing in the Bible says, I'm pretty sure, I'm, you know, tell you what, Holly, I'm not going to assume, not a priest. I haven't been to theology school. I've not read the Bible cover to cover, but I'm a good 80 to 95% confident that the Bible has nothing in there that says, you mustn't lie to vampires. I reckon you can yeah. lie to vampires. As much I as think you want. So. Yeah, so yeah, I'll put my cross down and I will fight you my faith against yours, Mr. Vampire. Nah, actually I'm not. Really gonna use all of, <laughs> I'm gonna use all of the Jesus based weapons my faith provides me with. Um but yeah, we're 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 ahead of schedule on that one. I guess we've seen the build up and the the undertones of what's happening and then Keep me honest here, because my notes are, are muddled on this one. Is it is it one of our is it one of the Glick boys that's the first victim of of the vampire? Does he get got when he's out in the woods that night heading home? Yeah, so he gets he gets got. I'm not sure if um Larry, the real estate agent, whether he gets got first. Oh, but he doesn't turn into yeah. a vampire, I don't think. Because he just gets yeah, unless he's just one of the crowd we get later on. I mean, yeah. you what you've touched on the point where Larry, the real estate agent, gets gets got. They get done in a silk pajama based affair. Yep. Um, after we've talked about his receptionist calling him calling him honey. To be fair, her husband, big big old loser. He loves he loves um just sitting there. Not, not even being very cooperative because his wife seems quite interested at first. She comes in, he's having, he's on like his third tinny. He's just crushing his tinnies in the in the house, and she comes in and says, "Hey, um, do you uh, do you want to stay in tonight?" So she's not even like, "Hey, we don't go out." Do you want to stay in tonight? He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, go on then." What are you watching? Nothing. You clearly are. You're watching. <laughs> and I, I, I know that you know this is indicative of your bad relationship, but. Put a little bit of effort in, mate. Yeah. He's like, just go get me a beer. Just, yeah. you know, just go. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, go get me a beer. Despite the fact I've clearly had several with me over here. You clearly haven't got an issue with going to get beers already. You've been you've been getting them all afternoon. Exactly. You've been you've been, you've been getting them all afternoon. Well. She's like, oh, don't get don't get don't get too drunk, you know, wanting to have a little bit of energy. Said, okay, so you're not all about affairs, I guess. But um, no, he's he's not up for it. He's got to save all his energy to be out at night, just watching your wife from things having yeah. having having an affair. So you know, and he kind she she kind of dismisses that he knows about the affair because she goes, "Oh, he wouldn't joke about it if he because he jokes with her something along the lines of oh, having an affair with the estate agent, are you?" And he's like, "Ha ha ha, no." But unfortunately, there's a little bit of truth in that joke because. Having, you know, later on we see him. He's he's waiting outside and he catches them. 
in in the fair. She's got a. I mean, what a what a great outfit. I mean, I am. Oh. Not, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. outfit I thought was hilarious. <laughs> it's I, like crushed velvet yeah. short shorts and like what was it like a like a matching no sleeve? Like, like yeah, a like sleeveless top, right? But high heels as well. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect, yeah, absolutely perfect. Perfect seduction wear. <laughs> and definitely, yeah, him with his satin red boxer oh, yeah. shorts. Red satin. Perfect combination. His red satin boxes. And he kind of phones her up and we, we get like a lovely one-sided phone conversation where she's there. Yeah, husband's gone. Yeah, well, I'm not going to talk dirty to you on the phone at all. No, I don't want to go to a motel. Just come around here. Okay, then. Fine. Well, I'll see you in a bit. Meanwhile, husband's literally just outside, like with his binoculars yeah. and shotgun. Like, yeah, <laughs> could could just stay in to avoid this affair having room to take place, but no. I find it um, really interesting as well that at this time, so he's like given a job to two of the other characters to like go and pick up a sideboard, and they're just discussing the affair in the in the truck. And just being like, oh, you know, um, you know, what is he doing? It's like, oh, well, his wife's, you know, obviously having an affair. Um, and they're like, oh, what would you do about it? And he's like, well, he has like a, a was it a 12 gauge shotgun? Yeah. What would you do? And I was like, how can they just be so casually like, oh, well, he has a shotgun, you know? Yeah. How do you solve problems? <laughs> shotgun ownership does just does escalate murder to the highest level of your priority yeah. list for it any type of solution oh my oven's dirty really needs a clean what are you going to do about it i do have a 12 gauge shotgun oh well that's it then just blast, solves all the issues blast the grime away yeah <laughs> so mean... obviously he comes in with the shotgun and confronts them having yeah. the affair oh and I, uh... and I tell you what way to pour cold water on the romance of your affair that you have in she throws him directly under the bus yeah I was so shocked at yeah. her accusation. It was just, yeah, very, yeah, <laughs> very problematic. Yeah, oh, he's, he's bloody come in here and attacked me, you know. And the guy's like, oh, is that is that true? Because I should... Yeah, I should just shoot him then. Being a rapist, no one's going to put me in prison. I should probably shoot this guy, shouldn't I? And then he just gives him a little bit of shit about it. Oh, I love your, love your boxers, by the way. It must have been why you chose to keep them on. Yeah. Very intense scene, though. Yeah, um, it was genuinely we we joke, but I think that was an incredible. Like it was an incredibly. That's probably one of the first real heavy bits of tension that we get in this movie, right? Which is not at all vampire related. Yeah, especially when he um, corners, so he gets uh, Larry, who's having the affair, and asks him to like hold the barrel yeah. of the shotgun to his face. And that I was like, oh my god, are we about to see like Larry explode? Or what's going to happen? Yeah. And yeah, it was just like obviously chicken. He does pull the trigger, and then Larry runs away. And you think, yes, Larry's escaped, and then he gets got by some unknown figure. <laughs> yeah, he gets. Yeah, and you're right. We, I certainly not from my reading of this. I'm not sure we saw him again as a vampire, or know that he's been necessarily got we certainly don't get a confrontation with him like we do with loads of others where they're going oh i'm a spooky vampire now <laughs> um but um 
yeah, that's that's the end of him. And that, yeah, it's a non, apart from the very end, a non-vampire related creepy scene. And one of the Glick brothers, well, they both get slightly got, but one of them, one of them gets slurped off into the woods and the other one gets himself home late. And his mom and dad are dead worried. And he comes in like, oh, I tell you what, what an evening I'm all, I've got. And of course, you know, 1979 was a lot closer to the Victorian era than it than we are today. There are probably still a little bit of those um, characteristics that existed at the time where if you got, you know, if you lived in the 1800s and you got a bit of a fright, you could die from that. If you had a stressful oh, yeah. week and didn't immediately go and like convalesce at the seaside for a few months to get better, you could you could cop a brain fever and you'd be done. You'd be dead. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You just fade away like a Padme. Take a big breath out. <laughs> give up on life. Just turn all grey like E.T. That's it. That's it for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he he's doing that. Um, and then immediately, like, pretty, pretty swiftly, you see his, his he takes a turn for the worse because his brother has come rat-a-tat-tatting on the window as a little vampire. And this was a misremembering from my part on this movie I felt like this was just a one iconic scene thing where we see um, you know the one character who doesn't let him in Um, but no actually in this movie you only tend to remember the the one the one occasion where they have a conversation that's trying to be trying to like entice them to let them into the room but in this on several occasions with this pair of brothers in fact Vampires knocking at windows and being let in all over the shop. Yeah. I was quite, at first, I wasn't sure why his brother let him in in the first place. Because, like, his little brother is creepy, floating outside of his window, tapping with yellow eyes. Yeah, you'd have none of it, would you? No. And the old brother's just like, oh, just just let him in. It's fine. But then, obviously, we later realise that they're kind of hypnotising them, in a way. Like, they're in a bit of a trance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was quite the little boy at the window. I thought it was actually really creepy. If I was a kid watching that, I would be terrified. <laughs> especially if you lived in Salem, there's a lot where everyone sleeps with, you know, in this economy, because cost of living, you shut your curtains, wouldn't you? Oh, it's a classic horror sleep. move. <laughs> classic horror move. Do not shut any curtains. Do not shut just, your curtains. So just don't shut creepy, your curtains. You'll be looking on you all the time. Yep. You know, just you have to be like good to the to the villains in the story <laughs> yeah, you need to give them every opportunity to hypnotize you or to come and give you a bit of a spook in um, exactly but that's right i was you you've mentioned it now so we'll we'll cover it we get a lot of the the vampires and their i think quite well executed and quite subtly done hypnotic powers because it's not expressly done they don't like a you are in my bow or anything like that they are properly <laughs> you know it is it is is very implied um, yeah. Again, in the remake, you get a little bit more um, breakdown of that, where someone goes, "Oh, don't, don't go looking at them. That's how they can, that's how they can make you do stuff." Um, but then I was thinking about Salem's Lot. Should I find myself in a Salem's Lot situation? I mean, probably widespread in this modern era, but from a generation where, to be honest. 
find it hard looking strangers in the eyes at the best of times, let alone after I spent two years locked in the house during COVID lockdowns. <laughs> I feel like I'd be invincible in in Salem's not now. The vampires would be looking at me and I was like, ha, no. <laughs> like, just shut the curtains in front of their face. Just like, yeah. not today. <laughs> you know, again, you know, in this economy, probably got the curtains and the blinds closed already. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> Those vampires could be tapping away at the window all night, and then if they did look, I said, "Oh, have a look at us. Will you look, look us, look us in the eye, so we can do some hypnosis and be like, ha, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I will be looking at the floor or just off to the side at all times, please.' And also, <laughs> with our modern sensibilities and all the horror movies, I think we now have a generation of our precocious escape artist boy that I feel nowadays." If you had the slightest inclination someone was a vampire, you'd stick them immediately, wouldn't you? Apologise oh. afterwards if you're wrong. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Strike yeah. first, yeah. ask questions later. <laughs> to be honest, if I just caught someone having a sleep in the day, I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Especially lived in Salem's lot. Just go around with loads of sharp snooker cues, ready to roll. Um, so, I guess as we're we're, we're moving along with this now. We've seen some other little pieces. I mean, this is a long movie and there's a lot to take. And we've had other encounters as well. We've seen there's a guy with a dog who's, you know, off camera, but lovely dog gets killed again. Again, rude. Two movies in the same week where they've they've bumped a dog off. Um, yeah. But I think the the point of this, and this is one of the other like handymen or like he certainly works as a grave digger. There's lots of these people that do odd jobs around the town, but they've left the dog's body on the the grounds of the church which uh, i'm not sure if this is in the in the remake or otherwise someone makes a point of that's that's unconsecrated the ground now so actually i'm gonna have to uh. i'm gonna have to hold you water all this again otherwise and obviously that will if you're a vampire that's exactly what you want fouling up the mm. ground so you're allowed to go more places um and again, I'm not sure if it's explored necessarily in this movie, but it feels like that could be something that's drawn from the text because um, the other one of the Glick brothers, um, he gets poorly, he goes to hospital, um, and then his brother comes to the hospital window as well. Rude, not even visiting. Finish him off. Yeah. <laughs> um, bleeds him out. He dies. We see the, you know, the 1979 sensibilities. Don't necessarily see a dead boy in bed we just see someone drop a tray of uh of medical supplies over the floor and he's gone as well and then we we go on to the we go into the funeral he is being buried and then our grave digger character um also gets pseudo hypnotized slash got by one of the vampires as the sun goes down and yeah i thought that was i wasn't sure if the sun was actually up still when he opens the casket yeah i thought that was interesting because i you would think that yeah the sun would have to be fully set for him to be able to even hypnotize him you know yeah you, you don't seem to see um we don't really see the reaction of the vampires to the to the sun in this right they just they just stay in all day yeah we don't we don't see them particularly afraid of the of the sunlight directly and it doesn't really play a factor in this movie i mean the movie ben and i talked about last week near dark the film which is perpetually 10 minutes from the sun coming up and the vampires being in immense peril we don't have this at all in this one it's kind of 
just doesn't really come up. And again, in the remake, we touch on it a little bit when um, Provo boyfriend um, is uh, is a vampire and is out in the sun. He's he's he he's burned by the sun. There's a bit where the light is coming through the window, and he almost like when you've got a bruise and you touch it, and he goes, "Oh, that hurts," and you then touch it again to see if it still hurts. He's like that. There's like a beam of light coming through his window, and he's like, "Oh, ah, ah." Oh, and he keeps putting his hand back in. <laughs> it does still really hurt. So, um, yeah, but we don't really see it in this version. So you're right. Could just be the lighting of the time, I guess, where they just happen to be filming in a, on a cloudy day and maybe it's meant to be permadusk. Um, <laughs> but the next thing we see is, is this guy is at the... Oh, he's, he's just looking a bit rough and acting a bit weird at a um at the diner that everyone hangs out at and the former teacher the oh, the nice old the, the lovely old man and um so ben's former teacher old mears he um they they kind of he he's invited along to stay at his house until he starts starts feeling better and i guess this is you know, again, he continues to get ill. I should point out that the teacher is played by um, Captain Holt in the remake. Another great bit of casting. Um, and they, they lean into the I think some of the implied stuff in the in the text there. They that this guy is kind of a closeted homosexual in there and he's he keeps those things about his life private. It's obviously a film made in the 2000s is more is more explicit about that. Um, yeah, but uh, in in this one, the guy, the guy is staying there. He continues to get ill, and then he comes in one day, and he's doing some creepy vampire rocking chair stuff. Never wouldn't have never seen a vampire in such casual, such comfy slacks. <laughs> I thought that scene was great. Um, I did feel really tense because I didn't. I really liked the teacher. I think it's Jason um, or Mister Jason. And yeah, I was so worried that he was going to be vampire food. Um, But yeah, I thought this scene was actually quite creepy as well. Just him like rocking slowly in the chair. And you can kind of see the teacher getting a little bit hypnotized. I think he starts rocking as well. And you're like, oh, yes, that was really well done. He starts like rocking and he's like got him. But um you don't spend all these years being a teacher, having a few tricks up your sleeve, and he knows a few. And he's like, look at me, and he's like, nah, mate, shan't. <laughs> nah. <laughs> like, Absolutely not. Um, um, and he he kind of gets the best of it. So he, he knows to look away, because I'm guessing he's probably read a lot of books about vampires and the like, being a teacher. Certainly. He came prepared, has a cross. Yeah. He's got a cross of them, and he goes, hey, your invite to be around here rescinded. He's like, "What? No, you can't." Just... Yeah, I'd prefer it if you leave. Uh, and he Jesus is him right out the window, out the window. Yep. And um, <laughs> again, you're living in a in a single pane society. Again, imagine if you've got that, you know, triple glazed noise redu- reducing, um, like safety glass you have nowadays. Much harder to repel a vampire once they're already in. But thankfully. Definitely. In wooden single playing glass, he is—he's right out of it. Um, 
wasn't sure how he got into the house as well. Like, did he come through an open window and then close it? Oh, I think he or... invited him because because he met him uh, when, he was, when he was ill. Oh he was yeah. Like, hey, what? Come and have a sleep over at mine. See if see if you feel better. So he's he's turned into a vampire in his house. Um, right. So he he goes, yeah, invite rescinded. Out you go, off you fuck, and he <laughs> and he heads and he heads out off out out there but then i was very sad because i was like you've earned this you teacher i want to be i want you as like the van helsing character but no i mean i guess it's better than being got by a vampire um but he does have a heart attack afterwards is this the last we see of the teacher in this one because again i'm conflating it with the remake andre andre varga stays around in the in the remake for a while but Mm. I'm not sure. I don't think we see any more of him, but we know he's in intensive care in the hospital. So it's whether, you know, the vampires at the end, do they get everyone in the town? Does he get spared? What happens? We don't know what happens to him. I want like a little A-team moment where, you know, when the sheriff leaves town in in this one where he goes, oh, and I've taken the old teacher to to live with his family in Norway where the sun never goes down for six months <laughs> a year. So he'll he'll be all right because summer's just kicking off. Um yeah. Yeah, we don't as far as I'm aware, I might have to go back and revisit this. There's a lot to take in. And I think even with a I mean you've seen the heft of a of a Stephen King book of the era, right? Like I think even a three hour adaptation, you're not getting all the stuff here. I think I really have bumped this up my to read list at this point. Um, Definitely. So if anything, if for no, nothing else than the closure on a lot of these characters, um, but yeah, we we sadly don't see him again. And again, we'll touch on the remake here. In that one, he's in hospital. We see some additional context where he's helping them and he's giving them some guidance. He knows all about killing vampires. Um, uh, but then when the priest, who in this one, again, is another character who we have and then is gone at a certain point, he gets turned to a wrongan by um, by by the vampire and he goes and kills him in his hospital bed, which is uh, which is real bad. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, he, he, we, he kind of does like a real petty tip for tat. Well, you staked some of my vampire mates. I'm going to stake you, mate, right in the heart. And unfortunately, the I mean, we spend a lot of time thinking, Holly, how we're different from vampires um, <laughs> in many ways. If we focus for a moment on the things that make us the same as vampires, as if, if you get stuck in the heart as a human, just as deadly as being a vampire. Stake through the mm. heart will do for most humans as well. Uh, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> yeah, and, that's, and that's what happens. It's a common weakness amongst us. Um, but we don't get that in this original version. We just get ambiguous, ambiguous not here anymore. So we can only assume that he was transferred to another town for intensive care and is is doing Living. all right. Is doing all right to this day. Probably Let's hope so. Probably doesn't teach anymore. Is probably formally retired. But maybe you know keeps keeps in touch with his old students every so every so often. Maybe the school he used to work for has got a Facebook group now, and he's on there. He'll, he'll, <laughs> pop and send a little message send some well wishes and if he ever meets one of his old students in town he will definitely still remember them and so they don't have to call him sir anymore they can call him by his first name it's ever so lovely heartwarming moment 
so heartwarming. Yeah, but we don't get that sadly. Well, we 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 have to assume that that's the that's the stuff that we have that we're that we're getting there for. Um, let's have a look what happens next. So I guess this is one of the points where we have everyone's been rat a tat tatting at Windows. All sorts of people are going are going missing. Um, but our Our main guy. What is the name? Uh, like, is it? Is it Mark? What's what's the oh, name? Oh, Mark. Is that yeah, yes? I can of the kid. Yes, yeah, I'm looking obviously at the at the at the letterbox, and the thing is with people who are child actors, if they continue to act, the picture you get of them is them as an adult. But I can see <laughs> the fact. So Mark, our precocious escape artist boy, he has a little knock at the window, and um, it's one of the Glick boys saying. Open the window. It's great. You can be a vampire. Um, I'm your friend. Just open the window. <laughs> you, you look like a. You look like a vampire. It's, yeah. yeah. But, I'm, I'm honestly not. But again, he's kind of he's he edges towards the window as well. I'm not sure. Is this a? Because he's got the wherewithal to kind of resist their their magic, or is it just that he's not looking properly? He's got a bit of sleep in his eye. I don't know because he looks like I think he is looking straight at him and he looks yeah hypnotized but you could see like a single tear dripping down his face so I feel like yeah he's like fighting it maybe a little bit and maybe a part of him that's like fighting it it's like oh vampire I know what can can help and he goes (laughs) he's got like that Beetlejuice table that's got like a model of you know the you know loads of little models on it and there's yeah. a cross on there and there's the boy, he does open the window right? and as he comes in he's like, ha! Oh, I no, think he against the glass. goes yeah, he like goes towards the latch but then just holds up to the cross to the to the glass. And he's like, oh shit, not them. But he ain't <laughs> I'm off, I, again I've been, I've been confused by watching the remake back to back as well. The drama with Mark in the remake is that the he does open the window and let him in, but he uh, grabs he grabs across from there, burns him on the face with it, and then the vampire Glick boy goes, "Oh fuck's sake, I'll kill you!" and then just legs it. He just goes off. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we've at this point now a lot of our characters are beginning to get the idea that there's something going going wrong here. Although, with the exception of the of the sheriff asking the the creepy black suited man, have you have you got your black suits there? Because we found a scrap of black material. Like that's the most investigation he's gone for yet. Really, most of the you know most of the investigation has happened on the part of Ben and Susan, and then a doctor that they've befriended. Um, that they're they're looking into these into these things and then i guess their investigation is furthered where the mother of the two boys mrs glick um she also gets got by her own by her own vampire kids right and is yeah another person that's dead um they convince so ben convinces the the doctor to hey, well, let's have a let's have a little sit in with this uh this dead body it's like well, it's not going to turn into a vampire goes, oh, yeah i know benefit of the doubt eh? let's <laughs> Let's just wait. And then conveniently, just as the doctor goes off to like make a phone call to make sure his kids have gone to bed on time or something along those lines, um, 
Mrs. Glick starts starts getting up as a as a vampire. Starts hissing away. <clears throat> yeah. All purple and yellow eyes. Yeah, she gets up getting a purple and yellow eyes, but thankfully there's some lovely lolly sticks in the um in the mortuary, those little tongue depressors. Um, and he's able to quickly fashion a cross of it. He makes a little cross shape, blasts out, you know, the um the abridged version of the Lord's Prayer, goes, right, bless this. Put a bit of put a bit of Jesus in this, will you? And um God thankfully obliges and um gives it just a little touch with it. And um she She starts smoking and yeah. then just vanishes. Disappears away like Obi-Wan or like Yoda when he dies. He just, yeah. just, just fades away. And at first I was literally thinking out loud to myself, oh, actually, in this universe, vampires dying, it's quite a time. And then before it even finished that phrase, a couple of a couple of tables just collapse. Like literally, there's a couple of bits of apparatus there. And even though she's fading into oblivion, then it's like, oh, I have to have some impact. And like bang. And like loads, yeah. of, this, loads <laughs> of this stuff just falls onto the floor, like. I'm not going out like that. Yeah, I wasn't sure if she died or whether she like teleported somewhere else. I was like, can they die from having the cross burnt on their face? I I don't know. I mean, yeah, like I I assume that she died. They just didn't have the budget to have her <laughs> body. Like, so she kind of just fades away, like a like a disappearing like a disappearing ghost. Again, yeah, they have a. I guess I'll touch on the the two thousands effects of the of the remake here. They do similar. They kind of disappear in a Buffy star. She goes a bit ashy, and then they tend to after you've got them in the remake. They float towards a surface, and then they do an effect on the wall or ceiling or whatever they fall into. That like they've they've disappeared into like a void. They've sort of burnt against it like a shadow. Um, okay. But yeah, so I I assume she's dead, but she could have. You're right. Like vampires have some crazy magic in this one. They could have just she could have just teleported away. I'll be back. <laughs> um. But yeah, they they kind of gather. They kind of gather their forces. They pop to a. They pop along to the um, church and grab some holy water at some point. But I think we're now uh, approaching. Barlow's special move because we've heard Barlow mentioned by his by his caretaker, the man in the black suit and antique dealer the whole time. Um but we they they basically they they go around and the priest has been recruited into this as well. He's like, yep, vampires know all 100%. about percent know all about it actually. Yep, the church has been dealing with vampires for quite a while. I will absolutely um give you a hand with this. Susan, Susan's been drafted in. And they, it's a scene where they go round to, um, what's his name here? The, the wee boy, Mark, I need to remember that name. So they go round to Mark's house and his mum and dad are going, vampires? Oh, nah, no, no such thing. And then unfortunately, they no longer need an invite in if the windows just blow down. He big bags of bad will sit in there, comes in as a cloth does like a reverse disappearing trick and pulls out the move we've already mentioned where he bashes their heads together. And my first assumption was, oh no, he's he's knocked them out. So it, there's going to be some, yeah. he's knocked them out and he's going to rob off with the boy. But no, Mark kneels dead. down. Get, no, dead. <laughs> dead. He's got him. 
they're just dead and then he legs it off <laughs> yeah and then he's and then he's got him um and they, there's a there's a team up there so both barlow and his and his human attendant come in uh, and it's it's a bit of bit of two on two and they've both got a hostage and they say oh tell you what let the put the put the cross down and i'll let the boy go and the priest again he does the good thing in that you know he says oh you know i've got to let the boy go but then as i said earlier i'd have never kept my promise to a vampire no definitely not so i see this see this crucifix in my hand I, isn't the only thing that's crossed also my fingers and they'd be like what betray <laughs> <laughs> Either that or like, you know, like when you have like a like a lethal weapon type movie and they go, oh, throw your gun away and then they've got another gun in like the, uh, their ankle or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like die hard, like taped to his back. <laughs> Just another cross. The, the, big, the big one from the church, like the full yeah. on Jesus that's on there. <laughs> and then again, we've established that, that they can be made from lolly sticks very quickly. And if you're a yeah. priest and do that every Sunday, you can probably do the make a cross blessing, like 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 you're the scat man, and just like spit it out like nothing. I'd be <laughs> I'd be like getting like knives out the cutlery drawer and, and just doing, yeah, <laughs> do, every, do everything. Just just do that with your arms, surely. Yeah, just no, get away. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> but, um, I was really surprised though how like. Obviously, like the cross, the crucifix didn't seem to affect Barlow. He just grabs it out of his hand and just chucks it. It's like, no, this does nothing. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Was this they? Um, because again, the the remake. I guess they're used to two thousands audiences being thicker. I guess, and they they spell it out a little bit more later on. They said, "Ah, oh, but it doesn't work because you haven't got any faith." Maybe at this point, the subtext is meant to be that they've like he's kind of broken his faith. He's gone fucking all vampires. And the vampire's strength, the vampire is stronger than this guy's faith is at this point. But yeah. I'd imagine if faith is a thing that helps you believe in them, if you know it's a it's that strength of belief that you have despite the fact you don't have any concrete evidence that it exists. I feel that even as someone who doesn't have faith today, if I was encountered with irrefutable proof that there were vampires and they <laughs> absolutely fucking hated crosses and and Jesus and all that other stuff, I'd probably be doubling down on it and said, actually, I think this is more powerful than ever. I'd yeah. be blasting out those hymns at 11. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why his faith seems to waver. Maybe it's because he didn't keep his promise. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah or maybe maybe you know maybe it's like any type of special move and if you're just tired you need some time yeah (laughs) you've you've used up all your mp you've got you've got nothing left in the tank you're gonna need to have a rest you have to long rest before you can use any of those skills again um so maybe maybe it's that but either way again keep me keep me honest ollie i've been potentially absolutely ruined by watching both of these versions does the priest turn up again or is he now just gone I think he's just gone. So Barlow rips the crucifix from him and then he looks a bit scared. And then that's all that's all we see. We're assume I'm assuming he gets killed by Barlow or turn into a vampire. Yeah. Um or just bash yeah. his head into something, right? Oh yeah, just you know, super headbutt. <laughs> Gives him a little <laughs> knock on death. the head. Oh, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> that's so special. Yeah, so 
so yeah they're all they're all gone but it does set mark on an absolute absolute path he is sick of vampires about now it's like i've yep. had it to the back teeth with vampires vampires wouldn't appreciate that because they're all about the front teeth vampire can't even eat food have vampires got back teeth probably not so they don't need them. the very fact that mark is sick to the back teeth of it should indicate to a vampire just how sick of him he is um and then with all the other investigations that gone on, we've probably lost sequence a little bit here but we reach our well i was about to say our, our finale our crescendo but it's not really there's plenty to go um mark is kind of busted by susan while the others are making their plans to move on barlow um Susan pulls up at the house and sees Mark trying to break in and kind of joins him. Um, yeah, follows him in. So we, she, they, they walk into each other. They have a jump scare where she's ready to burst in and it's Mark. What are you doing here? Says, I killed these vampires. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing? I, just, I just followed you in. So, well, I'm going to kill these vampires. He, you weren't here, Susan, so you won't have seen it. But he bashed my parents' heads together so hard that they died. <laughs> <laughs> until you've seen something like that happen you couldn't appreciate it so um i'm looking for this vampire and i'm gonna i'm gonna stake him with these stakes that i've yeah he uh, came uh, prepared yeah he's he's well prepared he's a he's a monster expert like we know exactly. these are his, these are his hobbies so he's ready to stake things unfortunately looking at here now the 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 name of the the baddie the attendant his name is mr mr straker which, you know, should be like Staker. You'd think he'd be a vampire hunter, but no. He strakes, no. not stakes. Um, <laughs> and Straker comes out and they kind of bust him. He's sort of hid behind a door and he comes yeah. out and he's like, ah, I've caught you. And they're like, oh, captured, I guess. Um, it makes me laugh how like easily they got captured, though. Because like, Mark's got two stakes. It's like, did you not think to... To use uh, one? Maybe he, like... <laughs> maybe he unlike unlike us, obviously we've got the benefit of being, you know, 40 odd years later on. We, you and I know that a human will die to a stake as easily as a vampire. But exactly. Maybe that's knowledge they just they just didn't have. Like same as they'd know very little about HD television or I don't know, certain words that you probably shouldn't shouldn't say about people. Mm. Um one of those pieces of knowledge they just didn't have, then we have to give them credit for the time they were living in um so yeah. he doesn't know what to deal with straker that or he knows it. mr straker a stake wouldn't work against you it's most of your name um these are for the vampires not you <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really gonna i'm really trying to save this because um, you, you don't think you, know, you can reuse them <laughs> you never know like some pieces of vampire law in a in a classic buffy where a vampire will turn to ash stakes really reusable but exactly some, but some things you have to keep them in they'll come back if you take them out you've got to Gonna leave him in there. That's um, true. So he doesn't want to waste it anyway. And what he basically does is he um foolishly, Straker, a lot like Mark's dad, hasn't taken an interest in his hobbies. And he does some proper like a kid's version of tying up. Like, you know, if you're ever playing a game where like you're any type of game when you're a kid where you're tying someone up and they're gonna try and escape from it, like they're a prisoner of some kind. And yeah. you do 
the most insanely complicated version of tying up that people can immediately escape from. He's like tied to this chair and his arms are round him. There's like a spider web of ropes all around <laughs> him. Probably 90% ineffective at actually locking him into any kind of chair. And he's like, right, I would pay to see the kid that can escape from these ropes. I'm off to take the I'm off to take Susan off scene to capture her elsewhere now. So Yeah. Just gonna give her to well, we assume just give her to the master, but yeah. we don't see where she goes. But he, he implies yeah. that there is somewhere. She's like, Where are you taking me? He says, Oh, you'll see, it's actually really significant where you're going. Mm. Probably it'd be really important for anyone watching this to know where you honestly couldn't describe it. You you'd you'd, you'd probably have to see what was happening to you to get the full context of it. Otherwise, it'd be quite ambiguous until the closing seconds of this film. So just strap yourself in, Susan, because that that place I haven't really described that I've alluded to being very important is where you're going. So be ready. This this kitty's going to be tied up until then. Because if there's one thing that this all-powerful vampire that we've seen confront several people at once doesn't like, it's being overfaced by a number of things. He has to deal exactly. with people one at a time. <laughs> um, so he takes her off um again having ignored mark's capabilities he doesn't know that he's going to immediately escape from those things <laughs> genuinely honestly escape from any knot you want to tie i'll escape in seconds dad i'll 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 escape from this rope faster than you can deal a, t- a quarterly tax return um and he does he, he escapes very quickly nips out and reunites with um with you know with our with our writer and hero old uh old ben Um, and the doctor and the doctor susan's dad yeah susan's dad the doctor um they 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 then turn up and say we did go in this we we were coming to attack them said well funnily enough i was in here all day why didn't why didn't you guys get an earlier start you should have been here first thing in the morning when you had the most daylight yeah, I don't understand that. <laughs> you, you, you come in sort of late afternoon, early evening. What's what neighbours was on? No time for that. They're just procrastinating. They need like a really tight deadline yeah. to work to to get anything done. Really, like I'm I'm putting it out there. You know what? If you were in that hospital when you got that last vampire, pull an all nighter actually. Mm. Um, just really crack on and get all your prep done and be there first thing. Certainly certainly be there before lunchtime. If you haven't made it by lunchtime, I think, you know, knock it on the head. Sunrise. Yeah. Go. Sunrise. Just go. You have all day. Yeah. And if you you can't, genuinely find a sensible time to cut off and say, you know what, knuckle down tonight and then we'll do this this again tomorrow. Exactly. Like literally baptise your shower or something or your bath and just stay there in that water that's very holy all night. Or like sleep in church, do something absolutely vampire proof. Go on a sunbed. Just tattoo crosses all over you. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, do everything that you possibly can to oh, vampire proof you. Yeah, go to go to a tattoo studio and get like a cross on your neck. Exactly. And that'd be the only one. So okay, you can but be aha be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait until they get so close, burn them, and then they vaporize. Done. Yeah, yeah. Buy, buy buy turtlenecks and sew garlic into them. Like do yeah. all of the all of the all of this stuff. Um. So they 
they they get together. They they say, oh, Margus, well, sun's going down now. And Susan's in there. He's taken her off to a place. He wasn't clear where it was. Um, can we can we go in? Should we go and rescue her? We better had. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, Susan's dad, the doctor, does fall foul of the interior design of the <laughs> of the house here. I think that was like a wall purposely built to impale people like it's the only red wool in the house so like is that paint or is that blood from all the impaling all the impaling that they're, that they're doing yeah, yeah all the impaling that's gone on there and also he's just covered it in sharp sticks and horns <laughs> yeah <laughs> at the end of a, you... at the end of a long corridor that someone could be be shoved along yeah i think you know it's great design work if you're designing a murder house i guess yeah but at this point as well i feel like straker might not just be human he seems very superhuman the fact that he just like picks up the doctor and just shoves him along yeah you shoves him you do some dead weighting or you'd fall over or you try and do something right like rather than yeah, just, no don't shove me into the not too late i've shoved you into the- yeah <laughs> he could have kicked like tried to headbutt him you know like headbutts work really well in the in this movie yeah but no, he just sort of like gets picked up like a pencil and then just yeah. Oh, so straight I on. so I am to die, I guess. And he, he <laughs> pierces him on the spikes, and that's it for him. However, for all of Straker's other abilities, um, he didn't see the scene earlier where the sheriff uh, said, "I'm not going to be helpful in the last scene of this movie because I've appreci- I've accepted that there's vampires. There's loads of them actually, so I'm." going to Florida. Like, I'm leaving town with my family. Quite lucky that none of my family have been got at this point. Um, we'll give you a pistol, though, as a as a symbolic um, you know, token of my involvement here. So um, if you want to take that with you, that'd be great. And they gives him a gun. Not much use against vampires, but very good. Uh, well, I say very good, pseudo good against um, mm. against Straker. They do have to use all the bullets to shoot him, and then yeah. it's a little bit like when you're playing like a like an old video game, like a like a PS One video game or something like that, where they haven't necessarily got the technology to code in that bullets do damage to people, but once they've hit a certain amount of damage, they will fall down and die. It's like shoot, 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 and he's like, "I'm still, I'm still coming down the stairs actually to, to, to menace you. I'm probably going to put you on this wall of spikes that I the doctor on. Um, still have enough strength now to do yeah, that. It's fine. But unfortunately, after he's had enough bullets, he does go. Well, I'm afraid I've been reduced to zero energy. So, and then, then he dies. Yeah. The way he dies was actually really. I thought it was quite comedic. Like yeah. He just kind of keels over on the side. And you're like, oh, okay. But again, I feel because it took so many bullets for him to die. Does he have some superhuman ability? Is he completely human? I don't know. Um, maybe if you read the maybe if you read the Stephen King book, <laughs> there'll be a bit where they go and examine him afterwards, and they they look into. Oh, he, turns out he was a Frankenstein of some description. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another classic monster, especially because. You know, for a film which is about vampires, we have an awful lot of shots in this movie of a full moon and we hear a wolf howling. Yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty sure as well, like the dog 
uh, like going back to the beginning of the film ish, um, the graveyard digger's dog gets killed. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure um, Barley wasn't there when that happened. Maybe, so like, did Straker kill the maybe, dog? Maybe Straker killed the dog and used yeah. it to desecrate the ground. Um, oh yeah, maybe. But yeah, I thought yeah. yeah. Yeah, my new theory that you've inspired me, Holly. I think the theory I'm going to work on is that Straker is some kind of a Frankenstein. So yeah, he, he's I think a Frankenstein, so. and there are werewolves implied by their howling, even though they play no bearing to this story. Maybe it's the werewolves that are currently keeping Susan locked up in her unknown scene. Exactly. Um, Barlow, though, has been home alone in because he's down in the basement in that sideboard we had being moved earlier. Um, but you saw through all the stairs on the way to the basement. So when the lads try and go down there. Yeah, that's his ankle. Almost fall down the stairs. Oh, I mean, all the stairs are gone. They're tumbling out. Old, um... <laughs> old... Now, it's Mark that falls down the stairs and Ben's like, Ben sort of hangs off the doorway. He's like, yeah. <laughs> right down there, Mark. I just hurt my ankle, actually. He goes, oh, well, we've, we've come too far now. Can you just... Yeah. Can just you, get up. <laughs> can, can you act that it's broken for like the first couple of steps and then just be normal for a little bit? Um, yeah. They open up the coffin. Old Barlow is asleep in there. Um, he opens his eyes and is like, um, "What are you gonna do?" <laughs> yeah, he uses a bit, like he is like literally. There is no warm up on like the, his hypnosis powers aren't like a fluorescent bulb. They don't take a minute like a low energy. They're straight on. They're straight on like an old school planet destroying bulb because mark is a little bit like straight away is a bit wampy about it so um ben shoves him so hard yeah oh my gosh i was like i yeah i was really shocked when he shoves him i don't know whether that was intentional or not so far across the room because like i guess briefly hypnotized mark goes no don't don't knife him with the stake, and he just, but he just shoves him so far across the room. There are wrestlers working today that have not sold a push that hard, and he's like, ah, he like goes, he goes flying across the room, um, and he just gets him, he stakes him, and yeah, he, he doesn't die straight away though, which is what I was surprised that he has to like hammer in the stake yeah and, like really, keeps really, going really got to get through it he's tough as old boots is barlow he's dried out like a jerky so you've yeah. really got to you've really got to wheedle it in there um slightly recovered from his um you know brief ordeal with with barlow eyes um we see other vampires waking up in the distance and there's another great you've made fun of some of this stuff because there are bits that have age but Toby Hooper does these great shots mm. and like to see the other vampires like um, the, the, the they like ghouls they're not quite as established vampires as um, old Barlow uh, and they are they're crawling towards the door Mark has recovered enough to go shit and he kind of shuts yeah. the door and um, the padlock that took him bloody ages to bash off the door as well That's that's a quality padlock they've got in there for all the antiques then in the house they had one new thing and it was that padlock and he manages to basically put it back in and go yeah that'll hold up and padlock of that quality they ain't getting in um i really liked that scene because you can't see the vampires or like the ghouls 
until they're quite close. Yeah. It's only then you realize that, yeah, they're slowly creeping towards them. You're just like, oh no, is Mark going to die? Is he going to get got? Like, what's going to happen? But yeah, we don't see Susan in there either so i was like where where is susan yeah, it's an important place that she's gone but we're, we're not we're not he's obviously had quite, i don't know how long how long old straker had to like take a really far away but all yeah where there were vampires um so they they do that do we toy briefly with the idea that people might get better now barlow is dead or um i don't think so i think it, yeah I guess, like, unless you're, if you haven't turned into a, a ghoul or a vampire, I guess if you're like on the precipice of turning into yeah, one, maybe like you would get just, better. If you're just poorly, like, but yeah, most yeah. most of them stay as vampires. Again, it's something they entertain in. in spoil this for this one. We're about to spoil anyway, but in the <laughs> in the remake again, we have a scene where he does find Susan looking like a vampire in 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 a coffin earlier the day before actually they go oh no she's been got on this turn into a vampire and they don't stab her with a with a with a stake saying well she might get better if we um if we get rid of the head vampire everyone else might recover and then we quickly find out that isn't the case after yeah after they've got barley but in this case they just kind of accidentally burn the house down no, that was so intentional. And I thought this was actually really funny because they were like, they've killed Barlow at this point. They've locked the other vampires in the little like basement bit. Yeah. And we don't know if they're, you know, have they died because Barlow's dead? We're not sure. And they just don't even bother looking for Susan. They're just like, eh, set the house on fire. And I thought, for Can't find Susan. Oh, well. <laughs> as they burnt the house down, on fire as their revenge for just Barlow really fucking them off and banging that kid's parents' heads together. <laughs> they, they burn it. And then there's a bit where it kind of zooms in on like a basement window as we see the glass shatter. Yeah. And I thought, oh, is this going to be the tragedy that Susan, who you loved, has been... I mean, I know there's bummer endings for a lot of um, horror movies. I thought this might set a new record. Like, if because my immediate thought was, "Oh, have you? Are you implying that you just burned Susan in a fire? <laughs> you just murdered Susan accidentally? Like, what? <laughs> you should have looked but, at me. Yeah, we were so yeah. we were so caught up in the fact, you know, you're really psyched that you just killed this. You've done it. You killed a vampire, and then it's oh, burn the ass down with Susan in it, haven't I? Oh, oh well. But that isn't what happens. They kind of go, they get we get a lovely bit of throwaway dialogue where it's got where they go, wind's blowing towards town, everything's gonna catch fire. Yeah. Um it's really interesting because I um like re-watching some of it, I think Mark initially when he was talking doing his little play, he talks about a fire that was going towards yes. the house and then the wind changed and it blew blew back and the house is fine. And like Ben is really set on destroying the house because he thinks it's evil and like it attracts evil. So yeah, it's interesting that that's caught on fire and now it's spreading towards town. Spreading towards the town. That's a good point. I mm. missed. I, I missed that. This is what you get when you watch films late at night, I guess. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was it, it, with with 
without the sadness of have you just accidentally burned Susan, who we have no no necessary appreciation for that. Because also, how would have how would Barlow have turned her into a vampire? Because that was all the space of the same day. Because he caught exactly. her and said, "You've got to go. You've got to go." Yeah. He didn't wake up. He was fast asleep. <laughs> That's what I was confused about as well. Because there are points as um, where where they like just move Barlow's when he's in the little like box thing um, right at the sideboard. beginning. Yeah, when they move the sideboard into the basement and they're like, oh, um, someone's upstairs. And you think, but you know it's not Straker because Straker's out kidnapping little kids. So it's like, is there something else? Like another vampire maybe? Yeah, maybe, like, that, maybe, they, the maybe, they, maybe they didn't get the head vampire. Um, maybe. We'll, we'll touch on the... Uh... We'll, we'll touch on the remake again very briefly. Um, in the remake, the priest hasn't disappeared. He has been made into basically a new Straker because Straker's been killed um, already. Um, that's Donald Sutherland, and he's been he's been hanged and bashed with a chair leg. Um, so the priest gets turned basically into his new servant. Um, he is there as the as the vampires crawl out of their holes and the goodies escape from town in cars. He basically is there as the proxy for the vampire, going, God damn, he literally shakes his fist as they drive out of town and says, like, God damn you, Rob Lowe, God damn you, Dad. <laughs> if you're damning people from God, I mean, as a priest, he isn't a vamp, he's not a vampire as a priest, he's been made a human familiar. Although the vampire did make him drink his blood, which made him go funny, as well as giving him some hypnosis. But then I thought, if that priest is shouting about God, would that not upset all the vampires that are like on your team now? Be like, oh, careful! <laughs> Don't say the the G word, please. If you if you could, we're not not a fan of this as vampires. And also, can you change your outfit? You're still dressed as a priest. Completely <laughs> offensive. They couldn't go around and see him. They'd be like, no. oh, I've got need to get the priest who works for us to do some... It's in the church, can't go in there. <laughs> um, yeah, but in, in this version, we the, the guys are just on their way while the town burns and they kind of say, hey, tell you what, the shitloads of vampires, uh, this will force them out of their holes. Um, I don't know what their plan is. They just plan to drive away and hope they get got like at the end of Midnight Mass where like, oh, we're stuck outside. Um, yeah, we're um, so they they go out of town, and then we fast forward to the exact scene we had in the beginning, where our two main two main lads, so Ben and Mark, are there just palling around, being being mates in Mexico, stocking up on holy water, which now glows to indicate that vampires are nearby. It does like a little yeah signal. <laughs> For them, um, they go. Oh, there's vampires nearby. Let's um, let's let's look out for this. They go home, and it's only Susan. Yeah, took her ages. Susan. Took her ages to catch up with them. Um, she looks amazing as well, which I thought was quite interesting because you know all the other vampires are like purple or blue, yeah. and she's just. She very beautiful. Great. Yeah. Great yeah. Silk nightgown. Yeah. She's not got she's she's gone the other way with it. She's had a real glow up. Not yeah. <laughs> she was hideous ever, but like, you know, like, you know, she's she's really she's taken it. Sometimes things will suit people, you know. 
sometimes you might you know someone might find out they need glasses and be like oh it's just going to change my look it turns out it really suits them yeah lifestyle um, change yeah so one of these things for susan it's taken to her very well she kind of does get into well we think she has got into uh got into old ben's head a lot and said oh we can just live forever i know we only really dated for like a week or so but we've got a really deep connection here so we could just be forever if we just uh if we just just go for it now and she goes to bite his goes to bite his neck and i thought for a second that mark was going to come in and save the day and it'd be, and it'd be his turn yeah. to, you know it kind of establishes their relationship as working together and how they help each other out and how he has grown into a great vampire hunter but no actually it's just uh ben looks like he's gonna be got but then uh he had a stake in his hand the whole time and it's like ah and um, <laughs> gets her and she gets dusted as well um similar in the remake except they they don't go out of they don't they don't leave the they don't leave the house she's basically upstairs in the house already a vampire when they've killed barlow and uh she turns to get mark and he stabs her in the back through the heart and she's she's gone from there and the end of the remake um goes to two years later where he pushes the priest who turned bad out of a window in uh in detroit they're both in hospital because um because ben has been shot um but mark does prove his worth there he goes and suffocates the priest to death in hospital and then goes to see ben as he dies in hospital and he has a final word him say we've done it we finally killed we assume we killed all the other vampires off camera and this is the end and then just before he dies 2000s ben leans forward and goes hunting season is over and then he like goes ah dies oh dies so dramatic yeah but uh that isn't how this one ends this one ends with like you know basically their mission will continue um mark and mark and ben will return in sequel type well return to salem's lot which i haven't seen i was gonna ask do you know what happens in the sequel i don't i think i'm gonna watch that next thing because i i really want to know what happens in their story yeah and i need to know like again i've Drop the ball on this one. I should see like is Return to Salem's Lot a Stephen King book as well? Is it also, or is it just a pure, is it just a pure film activity? But I want to see what these guys do when they go back. Yeah, it's interesting that they've left it as if vampires are now hunting them. Yeah, and I find that yeah that concept quite interesting. Like, are they trying to seek revenge because they've killed? the master vampire like why are they hunting them instead of oh, just being like oh, i guess we're by ourselves now guys <laughs> oh man it'd be set, like imagine doing it like a few years later we could assume that not changing his name i guess the vampire is now gary barlow releasing a series <laughs> of a series of like well-known pop hot songs in the 90s and then wine in the 2020s that's him just knocking about being a big blue a big blue <laughs> man yeah what a time but yeah there there we there we have it i mean as is tradition we should probably go for some for a little bit of the the name game right are you you're you're, you're well versed in this right i am well i know how it works but i'm not very good at it (laughs) um okay so let me get the let me get the synopsis up real quick uh and then i will throw it so the bent the 
Original synopsis is Ben Mears returns to his hometown to write a book about supposedly haunted Marston House. When people around the Marston House start dying mysteriously, Mears discovers the owner of the, the mansion is actually a vampire who's turning them into an army of undead slaves. Won't necessarily do that much of a <laughs> of a synopsis, but I will say that in this first movie, Ben Mears has returned to his hometown to write a book about the supposedly haunted Marston House. However, when he gets there, he finds that the wood has all deteriorated quite badly because it's got really poor damp conditions. A Salem's Grot? <laughs> well, not quite. I was going for Salem's Rot, but I will accept Grot. grot. <laughs> Um, I guess Grot would be if he found loads of vampire pornography under his, <laughs> under his mattress. <laughs> um, so next up then, so um, Ben Mears has returned to his hometown to write a book, but actually, um, having actually had a better connection with his art teacher than his English teacher in this reality, he just does a bit of doodling instead. Hmm. Bit of doodling, maybe a couple of casual notes. No, no real formal writing. He's just he's just throwing stuff in there quite quite willy-nilly, not really putting the commitment into it. Oh, I don't know. So much pressure where you have to actually answer someone. <laughs> much easier when you just shouting at an iPod, right? But yeah, exactly. Uh, Salem's jot I was going for there. He's just jotting these, uh... jotting these things down real quickly. Um So next up, um, a writer returns, Ben Mears, returns to his to his hometown to uh, write a write a book about it uh, and the old Marston house. And then he turns out that the house is owned by uh, a vampire, a, a descendant of the previous vampire owner of the house who furious that a young boy was able to evade his traps has really mastered tying people up with ropes in inescapable ways or uh barlow has joined the scouts he has learned a lot of rope tying techniques oh salem's not salem's not correct (laughs) god won i mean no pressure, Holly. Have you got anyone to throw throw them away if you've got any words that you want to throw there? Mm. I mean, the only one I could think of is a bit rubbish. Um, that, ben that, Mears returns... It's a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, ben Mears returns to his hometown only to find that it's been overrun by baby vampires. Ah, oh, Salem's tots. Or Salem's Tot. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. I guess the only thing for us to do now, Holly, is to rate the movie. So what are you scoring this one? Oh, I did have to think about this for a, a little while. Um, personally, I would rate it as a C, I think. I really liked it for what it is. Um, but I think there's like, quite a few inconsistencies so i would rate it as a c <laughs> yeah that's great i think i'm gonna go maybe maybe slightly higher again you've heard me say this on here beforehand i think i come away from the film with one thought and then i talk about it for an hour or so and then think well, actually maybe i like a little bit more of this now and 
we talked a lot a little about the story and some of the things and it's not just the powerful moves of um of barlow but the um there's a lot of good toby hooper film techniques in here as well the things that have aged about it are you know a are obvious and there are things about the the attitudes and the acting and the and the and a lot of the effects that are, are of the time like the people fading away into nothingness but that said for a film from the late 70s he's still a creepy looking vampire right oh I yeah i want to bump him into it bump into him in a dark alley um and and do we have some of the other effects like when the ghouls are coming up all that great scene of tension when we have just that affair in the you know what should be quite a comical scene between the silk belt, the silk boxes, and the crushed velvet PJs that the lady like could be quite a, like a funny and silly scene, but it's effectively done. There's some stuff to enjoy about this, and it has left me with a like a like a real hankering to finish the several other books I'm halfway through reading and read Salem's Thought to the point where. I might have a quick nip on the Kindle before I go to bed and download it. I'm not going to read it for, for months, if not years, but <laughs> I feel like I've taken a step forward towards catching up on it. Um, yeah, I think in recognition of those techniques, I'm going to go a C plus. A little, little, C higher, plus. little higher on a C plus there. So there we have it for a, another week. Um, Holly, while I pull up the list of Patreons from Ben's script here to read through, um, where can people find you and what you're working on? Should they say wish to, or should you wish for them to find you online or anywhere else? <laughs> I mean, I don't really um, do a lot on socials um, just because like, I'm a PhD student, so I don't really have a lot of creative stuff out there. Um, but if anyone's interested... Um, my partner does like really cool sort of scary-ish drawings um, and he's on Instagram and posts regularly um, so if you want to give follow, like, uh, give Drekash Art a follow that's D-R-E-K-A-S dot art on Instagram um, yeah just check his stuff out it's really cool yeah, I, I can second that I've done some work with him myself and very good it is too from from his side I'm not going to comment on mine that's for other people to say whether it's good or not but <laughs> um yeah he's fantastic you should you should check it out and hopefully Holly this will be I think we owe you a session where you come and join the whole gang at some point as well so hopefully if this hasn't been a terrible time you'll come and join us again in the future as well and we'll talk about another movie that you can check off your watch list yeah I'd love to that'd be great Brilliant. In the meantime, before I officially thank you and sign off for the day, let me thank our Patreon supporters. So if you enjoy the show and would like to help us keep the lights on here, there is a variety of tiers you can support us on at Patreon. We go from everything from you know, just chucking in a few uh, a few coins to help keep the show running to merch and loads of other tiers and bonus episodes and early releases and ad-free feeds and all of that good stuff. But let me give a thanks to our current Patreons, Troy, Bursch, Nick Spill, Julia Bilgren, Leslie Carlo, Ollie Child, Lane Spencer, Pazuzu, Toby Miller, Laura Kendrick, Stephen Christopher, Ben Scaife, and John Crennan, patron against as well. I've read those backwards in the way to, to the way Ben normally reads them, but you know, we're mixing up. We're all individuals here. So um, thank you to all of you guys. Thank you for Taj Easton for our, for our theme music. If you want to chat to us online, you can follow us at horror underscore hangout underscore over on Twitter. It's hard to get those handles these days. 
Um, you can also find us at Horror Hangout Pod over on on um, on Instagram as well. Do a search for Horror Hangout. You'll find us anywhere. I'm Andy CT writes. Ben is at Ben underscore Arrington. Luke, Luke of Condor. Um, he's still around. When he's finished with his um, audiobook recording, he shall make another glorious return, not just for quiz episodes. Holly, all that remains for me to do is thank you for being a right horror dude. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Thank you. Hopefully you'll join us again soon. Oh, next week, everybody. A little seasonal treat for you. We are going to be doing um, Silent Night, Deadly Night with um, previous guest Johan from the Trash Tapes is going to be back with us next week. Um, possibly, we're working out the logistics. I'll be live in the same room as Ben as I record it as well. So for people who mostly listen to the audio, that'll make no difference to you unless our audio quality sounds differently. But for those watching on video, my goodness, what a treat. Um, Thanks again, Holly. Bye now for everybody else. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.